0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. May His grace and His blessing be with us now, and unto the age of all ages, Amen. Today is the 29th day of the Coptic month of Hatur, and the 29th day of most Coptic months is very special, because the Church in her wisdom commemorates the feasts of the Annunciation, Nativity, and Resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have this commemoration on the 29th of every Coptic month, with the exception of two months, Tuba and Meshir. When we think about these great feasts, the Annunciation, Nativity, and Resurrection, we see in them God's divine plan for our salvation. In the Annunciation we celebrate how God sent the holy Archangel Gabriel to the Holy Virgin Mary to announce that the Word the second person of the Holy Trinity, would take flesh from Her. In the Feast of the Nativity we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of the Messiah to save His people. Finally, in the Feast of the Resurrection, we celebrate our Lord's victory over death and its power over us through His life-giving death and resurrection. All of these feasts commemorate events That were part of God's divine plan of salvation for us. How was it possible for God to take flesh, submit to death, and raise Himself from the den? These events are wondrous and mysterious, and above all human knowledge. They are above human understanding and above the understanding of the angels in heaven. And though we can never truly understand these wondrous events, we are recipients of divine grace through them. St. Paul teaches us in Ephesians, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. All of us today have a measure of grace from Christ. So what is left? What is left is for us to strive towards a perfect Christian life. The grace God has given us through His plan of salvation is a divine gift. But what purpose does this divine gift have if it is not converted into a life that is pleasing to God? Our Church in her wisdom gives us practical instructions for living this perfect Christian life every morning. In the first hour of the Agbeya we read this passage from Ephesians 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is the plan of the Christian life that should be our response to the divine gift of grace God has given us. The first item in this plan of perfect Christian life is love. When St. Paul introduces himself as the prisoner of the Lord he is expressing his steadfast love for our Lord Jesus Christ. He would rather be a prisoner of the Lord than a free man living with the honor of the rulers of this world. This steadfast love for our Lord Jesus Christ leads to the development of other virtues, as St. Jerome said, From love is born all that is good. When we love our Lord Jesus Christ, this love will naturally flow to those around us, We see this principle in a famous meditation on the cross where the vertical beam represents our love for God and the horizontal beam represents our love for one another. The second item in this plan is lowliness or humility. When we think of these three great feasts, we see our Lord's unfathomable humility in all of them. In the Feasts of the Annunciation and Nativity, for example, We see how our Lord, who is seated upon the cherubim and worshipped by the seraphim, condescended and assumed human flesh in order to save us. What can be more humble than this reality of the omnipotent God taking the weak form of His own creation for their salvation? The Lord's humility did not stop at His incarnation and birth, but rather continued throughout His ministry on earth. He gave us the perfect example of humility and asked us to follow this example in Matthew 11 when he said, Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. St. John Chrysostomus focused on these words, lowly in heart, when he taught us that we cannot be humble simply in our words or external deeds, rather we must be humble from within and lowly in heart. Also, humility cannot be manifested to some people and not to others. True humility from the heart is universal and manifested to everyone, whether a friend or enemy, whether great or small. The third item in this plan of perfect Christian life is gentleness. You will remember that gentleness is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit described by St. Paul in Galatians 5 notice in the passage from Matthew 11 earlier that gentleness and humility accompany each other. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. A person who is full of pride oftentimes exalts himself over others in an abusive way. This maltreatment of others comes from a lack of humility and self-pride. However, when a person is truly lowly in heart, he sees himself as less than everyone around him. He therefore treats everyone gently, acknowledging they are greater than him. As with many virtues, there are various degrees of gentleness. The first degree is when a person does not repay evil with evil, as St. Paul said, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. However, although someone may have good self-control in not repaying evil for evil in word or in deed, he may nonetheless lose his inner peace. This is the second degree of gentleness, to avoid repaying evil for evil while maintaining inner peace. Finally, the third degree of gentleness is when a person avoids repaying evil for evil, maintains inner peace, and is genuinely grieved that he caused the other person to sin. The fourth item in this plan is patience. Christians who learn the virtues of humility and faith learn not to be afraid of evil and suffering. The virtue of patience, on the other hand, teaches us how to deal with evil and suffering when we are afflicted. St. Cyril of Alexandria taught us that patience is the supplier and winner of all good to us. Patience is necessary, in light of the inevitable tribulation, as the Holy Scripture teaches us, my child, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare your soul for tribulation, set your heart aright, and be steadfast and endure. Thus it is for us, through faith and humility, not to fear tribulation, and through patience to endure tribulation with steadfast hope. In our Lord and His ability to deliver us. Patience is concerned not only with enduring tribulation, but also waiting for the Lord to deliver us at the right time. We see an example of this in God's divine plan for us. St. Paul teaches us that Christ was incarnate in the fullness of the time, which means He came in the perfect time for our salvation. Pope Alexander of Alexandria teaches us that this is what was meant by the Lord when he said, I have held my peace a long time, I have been still and restrained myself, now I will cry like a woman in labor, I will pant and gasp at once. Of course here he is quoting Isaiah 42. So we have to be patient in our lives, enduring all things, and waiting for the Lord to deliver us at the right time. The fifth item in this plan of perfect Christian life is maintaining the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We are all united together through the Church, with Christ as the Head. As one Orthodox ascetic said, the Church is Christ, His body living in history. Just as the early Christian communities gathered around the bishop and or presbyter to celebrate the Eucharist. We are likewise held together by the mystery of the Eucharist in our own parish churches. St. Paul teaches us, We who are men are one loaf, one body, because we all partake from the one loaf. The Eucharist is one of the oldest symbols of unity in the Church. In the Didache, for example, we find the following prayer. As this broken bread was once scattered upon the mountains, and was then brought together and became one, so may Thy people be gathered from the four corners of the earth into Thy kingdom. This is an amazing mystery that we celebrate in every Divine Liturgy. Through the mystery of the Eucharist we are bound together in the unity of the Spirit. So our unity is clear, but how do we preserve it? We preserve it through the bond of peace which is participation in the mysteries of the Church, and prayer, and reconciliation with one another, and the exercise of virtue. My brothers and sisters, remember, we were created for the purpose of living the faith, and making it an active part of our human existence. We were created, as St. Athanasius wrote in his famous treatise On the Incarnation, out of the lavish abundance of God's goodness and, of course, love, to the end that our activities might reflect these godly qualities. We were created to partake of the glory of God, which is the productive aim of our every action. As St. Irenaeus of Lyon expressed in, in all that we do we strive to share in God's divinity, and thus according to the words of St. Gregory the Theologian, transform by our lives, actions, and Christian witness the world and all things in it. God has bestowed upon us the divine gift of grace through his incarnation, nativity, and resurrection from the dead. Let us respond by striving to attain the perfect Christian life. It is never too late to begin, for God will strengthen us along the way. St. John Cassian tells us that God, when He sees in us some beginnings of a good will, at once enlightens it and strengthens it and urges it on toward salvation, increasing that which He Himself implanted or which He sees to have arisen from our own efforts. May He grant us the strength and wisdom to strive towards the perfect Christian life that we may live for Him and the glory of His name. Amen.